So let us begin. Um, today's chapter is chapter six, individual acts of resistance. And mind you, as we go along, I want people to pick on some points, key points to this. And, as, and always, when you when you always go through reading a lot of these books or any books that you like to read, I advise I recommend people start highlight things that catch your attention. Cause I always want to go back to refer if it's something that sticked in your mind that was prevalent or important. So keep that in mind. I always keep a, a highlighter or pencil wherever to highlight certain sections of a book. In considering the subject of slave insurrections, it is proper to hear or to bear in mind that it forms but one method used by the Negroes in fighting against enslavement. There were several others which must be considered. As has already been observed, it was often possible for the slave by great preservation and labor to purchase his own freedom and this being accomplished by the freedom of those dear to him. It is not possible to say how many Negroes were thus emancipated, but it is probable that thousands actually um, resumed themselves or those they love. Another method by which an intermental number of, but again, probable thousands gained through freedom was by serving in the army and navy in the republic during the wars for independence. Let's highlight that right there. That's a key point. And I know of other streams talked about most people should join the military, especially black men. There are many gains and benefits now more than ever than was 70-something years ago joining the military. Because I hear about most most people that serve in the military never got their VA loans or certain things that the system tried to hold against them. But I think with certain administration and certain presidents, that kind of changed that during the end of, I think, of the mid-70s, late 70s, I believe. So back then, most slaves back then, if they served in the military, gained their freedom automatically. It was prevalent. And I think... The reason why this is, is because if you are a soldier, you fought for, I would say, for the, um, during them days, it was not called systems. But if you fought for democracy or republic back in them days, it was evident they they had to give you something. And they had to give you something. And the biggest thing they had to give you back in the time, because you were a slave back in the 1700s, they had to give you freedom. And not just the American, which America was never founded back then before 1776, but the British, London, gave certain slaves their freedom papers just by serving them. So by putting yourself to serve others, there is a sense of reward. It's actually guaranteed back in them days. And also you're... Guaranteed to be in a certain class if you serve in the military today. So keep that in mind as we go along. Flight was a major factor in the battles against bondage. Slaves fled whenever haven of liberation appeared. 
to the Spaniards, Mexican, Dutch, Canadian, French, to the arms of Britain and France, and of course to the army of Lincoln, to mountains, forests, and swamps in the south, often established camps therein, and along the routes of the Underground Railroad. The figures here, again, must be only guessed, but it is probable that hundreds of slaves or thousands in the course of slavery succeed in gaining liberty by flight. Estimate for the Underground Railroad alone have been summarized by W.B. Heseltine as follow, or Heseltine as follow. Between 1830 and 1860, as many as 2,000 slaves a year pass into the land of free along the routines of the Underground Railroad. When people were willing to pay as high as $300 for one bloodhound, the loss of runaway slaves had indeed become a serious problem. Sabotage, shaming, illness, stealing, suicide, and self-mutilation, or self-mutilation, and strikes were other devices which plague slaveholders. The carelessness and deliberate destructiveness of the slaves result in broken fences, spoiled tools, and negligent animals were common pneumony. <clears throat> yeah. And proceedings Illness was probably even more common. Certainly more frequently complained of that sabotage. It was as often mentioned as was the slave habits of stealing as the master puts it, taking as the slave puts it, to the slave only. And there's an underlying story here, which y'all gonna have to read once y'all get the book. Moving on. Appropriating the possession of the fellow slaves or a non-slaveholder was stealing helping oneself to sorely needed mints of milk belongings to the master was but taking that which one labor produced. Strikes were by no means unknown under slavery. The method most commonly pursued was for the Negro to flee to outlying swamps or forests and to send back word that only if their demand perhaps for better found of, of better food or clothing or fever beating shorter hours or even a new overseer were met or at least discussed would they willingly return it is interesting to observe that during the civil war the slaves added a new demand the payment of money wages and at times one thus lifting themselves by their own Bootstraps from shadow to wage workers. You get that? Now, I'm not talking about that bootstraps that they keep preaching in the 21st century. Pull, it, pull yourself with the bootstraps. That's nonsense. That's rubbish. The only time you could have pulled back back then was during the time when you were slave. Times have changed. You can't pull yourself with bootstraps in the 21st century. And I don't mind people, you know, Miss Colleen. While you're on the chat room, please share this. Thank you. Let's continue. Self-nutritional was another method which at times appealed to slave. 
or actually self-mutilation to slaves as a method of shortening their own misery and hurting their oppressors. Notice of an act of self-destruction also occur because of the possibilities of intimidation. Planters tended to keep new of suicide from the other Negroes. On at least one occasion in 1807, the Charleston mass suicide occurred in these cases boatloads of newly arrived slaves starve themselves to death. Individually, attempts at assassination or property damage by guns, knives, clubs, axe, poison, or fire were so numerous that undertaking an enumeration of all would be a well-night impossible task. Some specific reference to the last two designs or two devices will be given in order to present an idea of how prevalent they were. Okay. In 1751, South Carolina enacted a law providing the death penalty without benefits of clergies for slaves found guilty of any attempts to poison white people. The preamble related that the frequency with which this had occurred was the reason for legislation action and the law provided a war of four pounds to any Negro whose information concerns a slave attempt to poison his master led to conviction. A decade later, the Charleston um, Gazettite complained that, and this is what he said, <clears throat> the Negro have again begun the hellishness practice of poisoning. In 1770, Georgia passed an act similar to South Carolina providing death for poison attempts to permeate explaining its origins in the words where else the decibel crime of poisoning hoth frequently been committed by slaves. A slave informant in such a case was to receive 20 shillings each year until death and upon the day he received this money was to be excused from labor. Typically, examples of this type of activity on the part of the slave are the convictions in Maryland in 1755 of the slaves for conspiracy. And let me highlight that. Because there was some reward for that, so that whole thing will be a lot highlighted. Let's continue. To poison four different masters and the conviction of two slaves in Virginia in 1803 for the same offense. Arson was more frequent and appeared indeed to have been one of the greatest dangers to antebellum southern societies while slaves generally would have had difficulties in getting hold of guns or knives or poison. They had little trouble in creating 
fire. The subject merits detailed treatment, more details than it can be given here. Mention, however, may be made of some of the evidence of the widespread characters of this means of personal revenge. Contemporary letters indicate that the prevalence of um, insiderism in the slaves' areas affecting the policy of insurance companies, thus the official of the American Fire Insurance Companies of Philadelphia told a gentleman in Savannah, February 17, 1820, I have received your letter of the seven instant respects of insurance of your house and further in Savannah. In answering thereto, I am to inform you that the company for the present decline making insurance in any of the slave states. Another pretendment letter is that written by a businessman in Richmond, August 28, 1831, at the height of the panic following the Turner overbreaks to a New York firm. If they and the slave attempts any harm in town, they will most likely resort to fire to aid them. Any good destroyed by such a fire would not be paid for by insurers. For this reason, we should not just at this time care to have good sent us to or on which we might have to make advice or advance. Notice has already been taken of the fact that in Sidonism, probably the offense of slaves, move outstanding citizens of Charleston, South Carolina in the 1790s to organize a committee for the purpose of seeing to it that bricks or some instance of wood was used in building that same menace account for another agricultural feature which was particularly noted in Virginia homes early in the 19th century. Thus was a fire escape described as follows. As a security firm, fire or to favor escape from its ladder is fixed on the roots reach from a garnet window to a ridge and down to the other side. It is an expedient to many houses and denotes extraordinary fear of extraordinary danger. I was informed that the carelessness of the Negroes reduced such precaution necessary. A Maryland slave woman was executed in 1766 because she had burned down her master's home, tobacco house, and outhouse, and the prosecutor, in the course of his argument, declared, I must not omit to mention that there have been two other tobacco houses full of tobacco burnt in this country this winter. The possibilities of arson by slaves was permanent mentioned in advocating curfews, laws, and establishment night watchers. Thus, a citizen of Ethelton, North Carolina, in 1807 urged that the enactment of a curfew regulation and the selection 
of a sufficient number of vigilantes and trusty men to enforce its observation. Where this done, said he, order a peace would reign and one night sleep. Undisturbed by the distress, apparently, or apprehension of fire and other casualties, after two attempts of arson, and then label that there. In Plymouth, North Carolina, a patrol was organized which walked the streets at night and cried out the hour. This was done too at the same time, 1808, in Edmonton, so that wrote mentors, our wives and children surrounded by desperados, um, whites and blacks might respond more easily. In March and April of 1814, the city of Norfolk, Virginia, was plagued by incendiarism. Several fires a day created panic in a community already tense with fear of a foreign enemy, said the Norfolk Herald on April 8th. And there are now four Negroes in the jail of this Brought who have been committing an incidentary incendiaries, where is this evil to stop? And when can the citizens consider his property secure? A dreadful example must be made as the only means of preventing a rep, um, reputation of this horrid crime. The dangers to be apprehended to our town from the attacks of the enemy is safely to what is to be apprehended. From the lurking incendiarities, we are always prepared for an open and declared enemy, but no measures can be taken to guard our properties against the fell design of the incendiary. And from January 31st, 1850 to May 30th, 1851, there were reports at least seven um, convictions of a slave for arson in Virginia, while one one New Orleans newspaper and Daily Times Delta from November 26, 1850 to January 15, 1851, report slave sets burning of at least seven nearby sugar houses. There are other evidence of frequency of this phenomenon during the decades of crisis and it continues through the years of civil warfare and one in which 1864 the official residence of Jefferson Davidson himself was damaged by a slave created fire. Members of the hated patrol were at times especially selected by the slaves to suffer the destruction of their properties by fire. Thus serious slave disaffections trouble Eastern, Eastern North Carolinas in 1830. Many inhabitants of four countries in this region, Baden, Sampson, Dublin, and New Hanover, urged that the legislators to have the country militants take over patrol work as patrols are of no use 
on account of the danger they subject themselves to, and the citizens cite as examples of case of two Padronian who had their dwelling houses and other house burnt down, while another had his fonder shack burnt. The Norfolk um, Beacon of September 21st, 1852, described another such case. It explains that the slaves of Prince Anna County, Virginia, had excited alarms and that an extra patrol had been ordered out. On Sunday night, last, this patrol made a descent upon a church where a large num number of Negroes had congregated for the purpose of holding a meeting and disparaging them in a short time. The father or the federer stacks of one of the parties who lived near were discovered on fire. The patrol immediately started for the fire, but before it reached the scene, it was discovered that the stacks of other neighbors had shared a light fat all having no doubt been fired by the Negroes for revenge or revenge, a strict watch and now kept over them and most rigged means adopted to make everyone know and keep his place. A letter from Barry Valley or Barry Valley, Virginia, early in 1860 contains reference to this same practice. Let me detail to you and wrote by Mr. Lorraine the go to govern John Letcher. What a Negro woman told her young master on the night that his father Stackyard was burnt. That said young man, a son of Cole Joshua W. Warren, was summoned by the captain of the patrol to attend on the following Saturday night. And Colin Ware's Negro's woman said to her young master, Master Charles, if you go on the patrol it tonight, Master Stackyards, we burnt this night, and Sir Colin Ware's Stackyards was burnt. Hmm. In addition to the above, numerous reference may be found in widely scattered sources to devastating by fire deliberately created by individual slaves in protest against their oppression and as a means of revenge against their exploiters. And that's the end of chapter 6. And this was not a very lengthy chapter. It was a very short chapter. One thing that few things that caught my attention and those are the periods around the 1800s. Now, I notice most people said, especially um, outside America, there were a lot of revolts. Yes, I'm aware of these revolts. Um, from Haiti to sometimes, I think, Jamaica had some revolts, southern islands. And I know there were some revolts in Brazil during of them times, too, way back in the century. But it's evident, the history here in America that is being very hush-hush and don't talk about much, is how you fought against oppression. And knowing this, that there are many ways of fighting back. And one of the things that 
the master of that time, which it still is today, known that he had to put certain papers and legislations to regulate certain behaviors of the slave in regards how he deal how he oppressed his um captors. Because it's known that he poisoned the slaves poison the master. He burns down his crops, make him lose money. Why why was this so important? Because it shows evidence that you US people, AUS people in America, descendants, didn't just lie down and took it. You sit there and fought. The reason why the history does not talk about in the books is because it shows that there was an outlet to your oppression. And what any group of men that was in power did, they sit there, put papers and legislation to try to regulate your behavior, which they do still do they do now today. So as any empire that's rising and now we've seen the kind of empire here. That they will put more things in place to control your behavior. Nor you don't show much of a, of a fight right now. But they know, because of history, they know that you have it in you. So I don't want to hear that some people say that most of the answers here in America just took it. No, that's a lie. Because if they just took it, you will still be in bondage. And hell, you might not be around, to be honest with you. Because they have no use for you. Now more than ever, because we now live in technology. So what they do now is they're trying to take away the menial labor and go more artificial, more digital. Hell, even more of like that technical age where you see machines run man. And only a few people could control them from the top, per se. So, in closing, the one thing I want you to get and understand is, one, to reflect. For those who fought for their freedom and were granted their freedom more effectively, they joined military. And after the military, that was one stage of getting your, your papers for freedom. Other ways, from what you saw me read, they did things where they had to sit there physically attack his money and him altogether. That's why Negroes were not supposed to have weapons because they know today they could have a better fighting chance. But like always, there's many ways to skin a cat. From as you tell, most of our people had the ability to poison the oppressor, destroy his crops and his house and burning. So there's many ways that how I guess ADOs people, black people dealt with oppression during that time. So don't you forget that, you know, you just took it. And that's what I want you to get out of this chapter, chapter six. And as we move further into the rabbit hole of American Negro slave revolts, we're going to see more further how people of during that time dealt with oppression. So thank you for listening to today's stream. Um, be on the lookout for the next um, uh, reading. Until then, um, take care now.